God's good and doing some good stuff. Okay, Peter's going to come and preach the word. I just want to respond to a couple of different things that have been kind of shared this morning. The 10,000 meters, we were there when the world record was broken, which was a fantastic thing. But the, the woman um, who, who won and got the world record, she'd gone really, really early, like far earlier than you should do. She was breaking all the kind of rules. And um, they were on the kind of tannoy and they were like, she's doing a really good time, but she can't possibly keep this up. And um, everybody got on their feet and they were cheering like crazy. And, and she did that final lap in a faster time than she'd done any of the previous ones and th- absolutely smashed the world record by 17 seconds. And that was amazing. She'd lapped one of the ladies three times in that race. Now, this woman, everybody else has finished and she's still running. She's still running the race and she's going around. And I'll tell you what, the, the shouts for her final lap were just as loud as they were for the woman getting the world record. And I just believe God would say to us that actually he's there and he's cheering us on. He's cheering us on if we're slow and we're plodding at the back. And he's cheering us on if we're well out the front and going for something new. And actually he's with us in this race. So just wanted to encourage you with that. Um, Just from Simmons Yat... um, I remember being at um, Simmons Yacht, and I'd been canoeing with my dad, and um, we were going back to the car park, which is up this kind of windy track, up to the top where you were standing. And um, I said to him, well, rather than walk, I'll just climb up the rock face and go to the car park. Seemed fair enough. And um, so I started climbing, and I was kind of about five, six meters off the ground, and... I was hanging kind of backwards on this overhang. There's no ropes. I I just decided I was going to go. And I said, I'm going to need to jump off because there's a big rock. And he said, I'm not catching you. I'm not deflecting you away from this rock. You need to climb. Because if you jump, you're going to hurt yourself and you might hurt me. And so I kind of gritted my teeth and I climbed and I made it. And then I looked it up in the guidebook and it was an E3 for those who climb. And I'd never climbed anything that hard before. And I'd done it without ropes. And I think sometimes God our Father says, I'm not catching you at this point. And he tells us just to keep going. Even though we think it's completely impossible. Because actually he wants us to do something new. And he wants to push us just that little bit further. And he knows what we can do. My dad knew what I could do with rock climbing. He knew I could make it, but he also knew that I could injure myself if I jumped. And he had the best for me, which was actually to go up and not come down by jumping off. Those things, I think, um, are both um, relevant um, for this morning. Um, Last time um, I spoke was about five weeks ago, and um, I want to kind of kick off from where I left off. Uh, You might remember, if you were here, I spoke on the Temple of God, and um, I showed a little video from Little Britain of Lou and Andy um, going, yeah, or no, yeah, no, yeah, no, and he just kept going, saying it, and um, and actually, if we're like that, and we um, we just respond to the good things that God's got for us with a yeah, I know, we miss out. We actually miss out on what God's got for us. And I want to talk this morning about joy. And the thing about joy is that our attitude can mean that we miss out on the joy that God's got for us. 
And I want to talk about that this morning. Now, I can be quite grumpy. I know you can't imagine that, but I can be very grumpy. Um, I can also be very fearful, and uh, you perhaps don't see that, but I can be. We were at New Day, and we were just about to leave, and um, we were just kind of talking before I left, and um, Sarah Chaka was there, Marion was there, and um, Sarah um, said, well, you can go home, and you can have a lovely night's sleep now, because um, we'd been camping, she said, you know, you can go and get in a nice bed, have a good night's sleep before you go away on holiday. And I said, well, there's not a hope of me having a good night's sleep. She was like, well, why not? I was like, I'm going to be too worried about the trip we're going on. I'm going to be too anxious about all the things that could go wrong. And there's no way I'll have a good night's sleep, despite the fact I'm in a comfy bed. And she went, no. You, you get all kind of anxious and not sleep very well. I'm like, yeah, that's me all the time. And um, she kind of hadn't expected that because she saw that I was quite confident and that I don't kind of worry about things, but I'm actually quite insecure. And I, I worry all the time about every tiny little detail. And I need to know what's happening. And when I don't know what's happening, I get really, really anxious. Pamela knows this really well. Five o'clock this morning preparing for this morning to speak. I'm awake and restless in bed because I don't quite know what's going to happen. And um, so I said to Pamela, I was awake at five. She's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, all those things are true of me, but they don't define me. What defines me is I'm in Christ. Well, that's what I want to define me. I don't want worry and anxiety to be the thing that determines who I am and how I come across and what I do. I actually want to have Jesus. And I want Jesus to be the thing that people see. Julian Adams says he thinks too many Christians have been baptized in lemon juice. And actually... Christians can give off this kind of aura that actually it's all very serious. And we're not allowed to have fun. We've got to do what we've got to do. And we're not allowed to do anything different. Um, on the next slide, I don't know who saw this um, this week. UK girls becoming more unhappy. This was headline news in the middle of the week. And um, I know it to be true. I see lots of um, teenage girls who are very unhappy. And uh, the pressures of the world on teenage girls are especially harsh. seems to be that they're a lot harsher than they are for the guys. And um, they can become very unhappy. And um, I think as we look around the world, we see a lot of sadness. And we see a lot of worry and we see a lot of anxiety. And as Christians, we're not immune from that. So there's those amongst us who are worried and anxious, who might be depressed. And actually, I want to speak into that a bit this morning and see what God's got to say about that. Someone was trying to find the word for joy. Uh, they, were, they were doing mission to the Eskimos. 
And um, as they were on mission, they wanted to find this word for joy, and they didn't know what it was. And they asked somebody, and it took a while, but they found out that the word was plonkiput. I think we've got that on the next slide. So plonkiput, I think it's a lovely word. And plonkiput, what it actually means is wag your tail very furiously. And that was their word for joy. And uh, I don't know if you um, have done this, but you've got a dog, and you've got the ball, and you're going to throw it. But they're still, and they're waiting, and they're dead still, but the tail's going like crazy because they're in anticipation of what's about to happen. But they're, they're holding still because they know they've got to hold still until the ball goes, and they're way, t- their tail's wagging like, like crazy, and then you let go of the ball, and suddenly it all goes. And um, for Eskimos, that was their description of what joy is like. And I think that's a brilliant description, and uh, one that we should remember when we're thinking, what's joy like? F.F. Bruce said, peace is joy resting, but joy is peace dancing. And the thing about joy is you, if you're in turmoil and you're worried and you're anxious, you don't feel very joyful. And to feel joyful, you need to have a sense of peace. And when you have that sense of peace, you can start to experience joy. And you can express the joy. But you need the peace first. Adrian Holloway said, I heard him say this once, Jesus did not die that we might have a new type of misery. And um, kind of, it's, a, it's a common perception, isn't it? Christians are very straight-laced and um, got to focus on the serious stuff. But I don't believe it should be that way. Nicky Gumbel, I read this week, he said, The Spirit of the Lord brings radical freedom to our lives. Freedom from legalism, guilt, shame, condemnation, self-hatred, self-rejection. They're all those things, actually, are the kind of things that teenage girls are expressing um, when they're really struggling. Freedom from the power of sin, selfishness, manipulation and control. Freedom from the fear of death and fear of what other people think of us. Freedom from comparing ourselves with others. That's what the Spirit of the Lord brings. And actually, when we experience those things, those freedoms, we experience joy. So I want to ask, well, why should we be joyful? Why? I don't know whether anybody has ever read um, John Piper and his, his theories about Christian hedonism. Has anyone read about that? Just me then. It's, it's, some of John Piper can be a little bit stodgy. And, um, but he, he has written this thesis that actually there should be this thing called Christian hedonism. Hedonism is going and getting kind of the most enjoyment that you possibly can out of life, irrespective of everything else that happens around you, irrespective of what other people feel. And when you think of hedonism, you think, well, that's probably wrong. The uh, Club 1830, um, part of that is now called hedonism. And actually, it's all about going and having as much fun as you can as an 18, 30-year-old, drinking as much as you can and um, having as much sex as you can and squeezing it all into a week in the middle of your summer in Ibiza. And actually, that's our impression of hedonism. And John Piper has done, uh, written this thesis about the fact that as Christians... We should be hedonists too. 
but not in that same way of getting absolutely every tiny thing out of life irrespective of other people. But actually, our Christian life, our experience of God, should be hedonistic in that it makes us incredibly joyful and that it brings us joy because of all the exciting things that God's got on offer for us. C.S. Lewis said it is a Christian duty for everyone to be as joyful as they can be. Now, you might think about that and you think, well, how, how could he say that? He also wrote a book um, called A Grief Observed, which was all about his wife, Joy, and her death. She died after they'd only been married a few years. And you read that book and it's not full of joy. But he also wrote a book called Surprised by Joy. And that came on the back of this grief. He understood that actually there was joy that God had for him, irrespective of the hardship of life, irrespective of how depressed he felt, that actually God had something more for him and that he had joy for him to experience. And it was on the back of that that he wrote, it is a Christian duty for everyone to be as joyful as they can be. And that's effectively what John Piper was saying with his Christian hedonism stuff. I read out from one Peter earlier on. And uh, the final verses of that bit, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. It's not something you go and find. It's not something you create. It's not a face you put on. But actually, the Spirit of God comes and he can fill you with an inexpressible joy. And I think that's exciting. It goes on, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. And understanding our faith, understanding our place in heaven, that can give us this inexpressible joy. Romans 14 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and what? Joy. And it goes on to say, in the Holy Spirit. So the joy isn't something we manufacture, but the joy is in the Holy Spirit. So as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, as we experience the power of the Holy Spirit, then we can experience more joy. So the big question is, well, what have we got to be joyful about? And for many of you, you might not feel particularly joyful right now. You might think, well, what have I got to be joyful about? Life is hard. Life is not as I would like it to be. And God, where are you in all of that? And I want to just um, say something about what have you got to be joyful about. If you are in Christ... If you're a Christian, you were chosen before the world began. You weren't chosen when your parents created you. You were chosen before the creation of the world. Jesus knew you back then. And he knew he was going to die for you. Before the world, the universe was even created, that's how much he loves you. He then came and he died for you irrespective of knowing what you're like, knowing what I'm like. That's something to be joyful about. 
He did all that so that you're saved and that you will go to heaven and that we have an assurance that we're going to be there in heaven where there will be no tears, where there will be no more distress and where it will be fantastic. It will be as God created us to be. And you will be seated with Christ. You're not going to be a a minion. You're seated with Christ in heaven. These things are things that we can be joyful about. And when we reflect on those things, it puts the other things that we go through into some sort of perspective. And you might not feel that way right now. I don't want to say to you, but God wants you to have joy. Irrespective of how you feel and irrespective of what you're going through. Because it is his passion that you should be full of joy. A guy called Richard Baxter said this. And he said it in 1650. And uh, when, you, when you read stuff from 1650, you think, oh, well, it's going to be completely out of touch with where we are today. And um, not relevant to me. He said this. He said, if heaven and glory are so wonderful, why do we not spend more time and energy focusing on them? Are we reasonable in this? What is the matter? Are we so full of joy that we need no more? Or is there nothing in heaven for our joyous thoughts? There is. So stir up your heart and consider your calling on a regular basis. Now, you know, I started with, with being prayed for and, um, and talking about what was going on at the end of New Day and me saying, I don't think I will sleep very well. You know, I didn't sleep very well until two days before we came home from Brazil. Every night, two o'clock in the morning, which is 6 a.m. UK time, my normal wake-up time, I'm wide awake in bed. And what am I doing? Am I praising God? I'm full of joy. No, I'm worrying about whether something happens the next day. I'm worrying about whether we get lost. I'm worrying about what happens if the hotel say, sorry, we didn't get your reservation. I'm worrying about if we we turn up at a petrol station and it doesn't have ethanol because it's not in every station and that's what the car's running on. You know, I'm thinking every eventuality in my head. I'm not saying I've got this sorted. I have not got this sorted. But over the last four weeks, I've been thinking about this and I've been meditating on actually being more joyful and focusing on God more and focusing on my worries less. And I can't say I've got it all sorted, but what I can say is in the middle of the night, when you're worrying about those things, when you shift what you're thinking about, you do fall back to sleep and you do realize what's more important. And I want to talk about, well, how can we develop a joyful spirit? How can we do it when we're struggling and when we don't think everything is full of joy? Well, number one, the Holy Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So when we're full of the Spirit, we will naturally express joy. And it says we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and go on being filled. It's not a one-off. You get saved. God gives you the Holy Spirit. You're joyful forevermore. That doesn't work like that. We leak like crazy, don't we? And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. 
And I don't know about you, but I sing those worship songs this morning and actually I'm transported away from the worries and the things and the cares of the world. And actually I think about the greater things. My eyes are lifted from looking at myself and they're lifted to the things of God. And actually I feel joy welling up in me. And actually as we're filled with the Spirit again and as he wells up in us, we experience joy some more. Now, if you're not experiencing joy, does that mean you haven't got the Holy Spirit? I want to say no. But it doesn't mean you can't have. And as we get filled more, as we spend more time in God, actually, we will experience more joy. Second way, choosing to be more joyful. Choosing to be. You can't expect me to choose to be joyful in my scenario. Um, those of you a little bit older will um, remember the title of Norman Vincent Peale's book, The Power of Positive Thinking. It was a, like a Times bestseller. He was a Christian, and he wrote a whole book um, about, actually, let's be positive, and if we're positive, we'll feel good about life. And That's not really what I'm wanting to say when I say actually um, choosing to be joyful. Isaiah 26 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So God gives us peace when we're in him. And as F.F. Bruce says, as I said at the beginning, Joy is peace dancing. And actually, when we get into God, when we rest in him and we get his peace away from the troubles and cares, then actually we'll start to experience the joy. Dostoevsky said, man is fond of counting his troubles. I suspect women too. But he does not count his joys. If he counted them as he ought to, he would see that every lot has enough happiness provided for it. Now, Dostoevsky wasn't a man who was in a place that was very joyful. He was in Russia in a particularly difficult time. A very difficult time to be a Christian in Russia. But actually he knew God. And he knew that despite all of his troubles... God had more for him, and he could see the positive things. Now, I want to set a little challenge for you during the following week. Do you remember the uh, Love Is cartoons? I think I've got one on the next um, page. Love is sharing the future together. Oh. I I don't remember what newspaper it was in. It was in the one that my nan got, and we'd go round to her house for Sunday lunch, And uh, in the newspaper, there'd always be a Love Is cartoon. And we'd always have a look and generally have a laugh at how stupid the concept was. Um, But we'd do this. It was kind of a ritual on Sunday, before Sunday lunch, that we'd look at the Love Is cartoon. And I wonder if I can set you a challenge during this week. Could you do some Joy Is cartoons? Some of you are good at drawing. Some of you won't be good at drawing. You'll be good at working out what the joy is. Somebody else might need to draw it for you. 
you might be able to nick a picture of Google to go with your joy is. And I want to set you a challenge ready for next week. And um, by the powers of technology, I'm sure we can get stuff up on the screen. And um, I want us to do some joy is for next week. Because I think that would be very encouraging to us. And because I think there's an awful lot of things that we've got to be joyful about. And for different ones of us, different things will make us full of joy. And I think it would be really encouraging to one another if we could have some Joy Is cartoons. So um, you'll need to communicate with uh, myself or Justin during the week um, about what those things might be. And we'll see if we can get some up on the screen and uh, see if we can encourage one another. Next way, being real. In Psalms, the psalmists were very, very honest. And most of the Psalms are not full of joy. They're full of, God, why is this happening to me? Why is it like this? But actually a lot of them, when they've said that, come round, they turn it round, and they focus on, what is God saying into this? And they end up by praising God. And they see what there is to praise God despite what is going on. Despite the fact they're in exile, despite the fact that people are being killed all around them, despite the fact that they're being mercilessly taunted for their faith. And actually, they turn it around and they see the joy. So I think being real is really important. I, I, I'm not saying we need to be having false smiles as Christians and walk around with this, it's all wonderful. We need to be real in this. And actually, when we are real and we recognize what's going on, I believe God can help release us to experience his joy. With the help of others. I've already talked uh, this morning about the help of others. And um, I believe that we're, we're not in church by mistake. We're not in a community by mistake. And actually, life's pretty difficult a lot of the time. It's not a bed of roses. But actually, we're together for a reason. And the reason is actually together, we can experience more of what God's got for us than if we shut ourselves away in our little room and say, woe is me. And um, so as we are together and we share our problems together and we pray for one another, we'll see God break through into our lives more than we do when we're on our own. And we're, yes, it's fine. You know, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. We need to be real with one another. And actually, no, it's flipping awful. I've had a torrid week. Because when we're open and we're honest and we pray for one another, we're going to start to see breakthroughs in ways that we haven't seen um, before. Creation. We've had creation mentioned this morning. And uh, this psalm, Psalm 104. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles? Who touches the mountains and they smoke? I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. And as we look at creation around us, we can be stimulated to joy and happiness about what God is really like. 
John Piper says this about creation. He said, God rejoices in the works of creation because they point us beyond themselves to himself. So as we look at creation and we see how wonderful it is, actually, we see more of God. We saw how wonderful he is. God means for us to to be stunned and awed by his work of creation, but not for its own sake. He means us to look at his creation and say, if the mere work of his fingers, yes, just his fingers, is so full of wisdom and power and grandeur and majesty and beauty, what must God himself be like? These are but the backside of his glory, as it were, darkly seen through a glass. I just love that, the backside of his glory. And we don't think that. We think this is the ultimate, don't we, when we look at creation. But it's nothing compared to God. What will it be to see the creator himself? Not his works. A billion galaxies will not satisfy the human soul. God and God alone is soul's end. And we're so easily satisfied by what we see around us. And God looks at creation and he doesn't see wonder for itself. But he understands who he is. When he looks at it. We can get joy out of the stuff around us. And it's fine to do that. We don't have to not have fun in this life. Ecclesiastes when Solomon's speaking. He talks about possessions. And, and says you know. They're just, they, don't, they don't bring any happiness in the end. And they don't. But we can have joy in what we see around us, in the people that are around us, in the things that we are graciously given by God, in the creation, we're in such a lovely bit of the country. And we can have joy in those things, yes, but because they point us to someone that is so much greater, so much more awesome. And as we focus on him, we'll experience more joy. So the next is looking to God. As we look to God, we'll experience more joy. 2 Corinthians. If you want to experience more joy, I've just been kind of living a bit in 2 Corinthians over the last few weeks. 2 Corinthians, Paul expresses joy. He expresses joy in so many different ways. And this is in 2 Corinthians 4, a variety of verses. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We are not perplexed. We are not driven to despair. We are not persecuted. We are not forsaken. We might be struck down, but we are not destroyed. So we don't lose heart. Though that our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And he puts it this way, for this light momentary affliction. And I'm sure it didn't feel that way in prison. I'm sure it didn't feel light and I'm sure it didn't feel momentary. But this is the way he expresses it. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are unseen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. 
And it's tough sometimes. But in comparison to the future glory, they are nothing. And we need sometimes our, the godly perspective on life to be able to experience the fullness of his joy. And so I ask, well, where is your focus? I also read this by Nikki Gumbel this week. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. And I felt a big slap when I read it because I'm a worrier. And actually, if we know how to worry, if we know how to focus on those things that dominate our thinking so much, we also know how to meditate. I love preparing for something like this. Because actually it helps dominate my thinking. So that I focus on the things of God and not on the things that I would usually worry about. So actually it's really helpful for me to be looking to God. And I get lost in the things of God. In a way that I don't when I focus on myself. And I want to learn that. I want to cultivate that rather than cultivating my worries. Hebrews 12, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the Father. Jesus knew suffering. He knew torture. But he went for it with joy. And I can't get my head around that. Because I'm not Jesus. But what I do know is that he can help set me free from my worries and my cares in a way that brings joy. Praise and worship. This is the last thing that I, I want to talk about in, in different ways that we can be joyful. Praise and worship. We've all experienced that release praise and worship brings psalm 47 says clap your hands clap your hands all you nations and shout to god with cries of joy because we've got things to be joyful about isaiah 12 shout aloud and sing for joy people of zion for great is the holy one of israel amongst you and he's here he comes and he presences himself amongst us. And we need to be joyful about that. So my final question, when should we be joyful? When? Well, that's the next slide actually. When should we be joyful? Well, the answer is always. That's what we're told. Psalm 103, forget not the Lord's benefits. And we're distracted so easily. And I don't think we should berate ourselves when we're not full of joy. But we should realize that we're not and refocus. Refocus on him who is so much more. No matter how bad things are, there's always ten things you can thank God for. And maybe this is a little exercise for you through this week. So when things seem bad, when things seem difficult, 
Maybe just stop and write down 10 things that you can be thankful for in God. 10 things you can be joyful about. See if it helps you refocus away from the thing that is stealing your joy. James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know, you might think you're going to fall off the rock face. But actually, God's encouraging you up not to jump off. So I want to finish with a couple of quotes. Philippians 4. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable... Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's what we're encouraged to do. Romans 15, the doxology. I just love the doxology in Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. And peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, If Ali could come back up. um, I want us to worship. Because actually I think that's where we refocus. And it helps us lift our eyes. I was listening to this as we drove in this morning. We were made to see and know. The universe was made to show your glory. You are worthy. Source of all created things, absolute reality without beginning. You are worthy. Galaxies would rise and sing, and yet you choose to live within my skin. You are worthy. Angel minds would long to see why you chose to bear the cross and rescue me. You are worthy. Jesus, you are the radiance of the Father's glory and love, image of the unseen one. You are God. You are the song that lives inside of me. You are the well that overflows with rivers of joy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are the hope that springs eternal peace. You are the sun of righteousness, with healing in your wings. You are worthy. You are worthy. Into our disordered hearts shone the brightness of your gospel's glorious lights. Yes, you are worthy. You healed our souls and gave us sight. Restored your glory to the center of our lives. You are worthy. We join with heaven, angels all around. We're echoing their praise, and we worship you now. So let's stand and let's worship this wonderful Jesus.